The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Competitiveness can be a double-edged sword, encouraging on the one hand goal setting and trying to achieve that goal, but also, if you don't, perhaps damaging self-worth. When is it okay to encourage a child to be competitive, to want, most of all, to win? Well, joining me now is Mark Smith, Chartered Clinical Psychologist, former President of the Psychological Society of Ireland. Mark, good morning. Good morning, Pat. Now, there is a bit of a culture these days, particularly in younger children, that, you know, that old hot chocolate song, Everyone's a Winner no matter how badly you did. What do you think? I think when you have a, a culture of, of maybe high competitiveness on, in, in a sport with young children, I think what we find then is that that usually doesn't lead to high rates of inclusivity or maintaining high participation. And I think when we're, when we're having conversations about children in sport, we, we have to keep one main philosophy in mind, and that's to keep as many children playing for as long as possible at whatever level is right for them. Um, So that means what exactly? Does it mean having instead of having just the A team, you've got the A team, the B team, the C team and the D team and you find your own level and you excel at that level? I think what it's about is about focusing on improving skills versus the result. So when we have young children that get too focused on the result, they forget about what are the individual skills that they learn? What's the benefits? And we got to think about why do children play sport? Primarily to do it to hang out with their friends, to have fun, to have enjoyment. If you intru- include too much competitiveness, what happens is they lose the fun because mm-hmm. it becomes fun is associated with winning. And if I don't win, then it's not fun. So it's about keeping them playing. We know that at the age of maybe 12, 13, particularly for, for young girls, rates of participation fall off. Um, for them, it's about being with their friends. It's about hanging out, having fun and enjoying it. And we need to keep that sense of fun for as long as we can. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's about setting realistic, achievable individual goals for them rather than the overall result of winning. So what are you saying? At an earlier stage, um, you don't necessarily encourage you know, the winner, even though the whole object of most games is that somebody gets more points than someone else or one team gets uh, I- more points than the other team. I, I think the philosophy within the GA Go games is something that I, that I really agree with. So within that, that that Go game structure, until the age of 12, no scores are kept. There's no knockout. There's no finals. There's no progressing or anything else. It's about going out and playing. The scores aren't kept. Now, yes, some children will still wonder what was the score, but actually we encourage them to don't worry about the score. We just want you to try. So if you've got, you know, six goals and five points with your right foot, okay, well, actually, the next game, we're going to get you to play with your left foot because we want you to develop your skills. We want you to to work on what you can do to improve yourself um, and not worry about the result because that is going to come in time. We know that life involves stress. Life involves situations where we're going to lose. But we prepare children in a graded way to to manage that rather than set this up for them very young, where, where as you said in the intro, it impacts their self-esteem. Now, is there a difference in men's attitude to sport and women's attitude? And in this case, we're talking about young men and young women or uh, boys and girls. You know, the, 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 the person who remarked, my husband, he'd watch two flies crawling up the wall and be, uh, you know, backing on one of them, getting to the top of the wall before the other. It's kind of almost an innate thing in some people, that competitive thing. Um, and I know there are very competitive women, but is there a generality of difference? 
I, I think there used to be, and I think that is certainly narrowing. Um, I think that's because we're seeing many more examples of women's sport on TV and, and, and players and women players being role models. So we're encouraging more girls to, to be part of sport, to, to see it as part of their identity. And it's not gender specific anymore. I work with and I coach two underage boys and girls teams, and we're seeing massive increasing numbers of young girls coming and playing because they're enjoying it, because they're with their friends, because they want to do it. But also they're seeing good examples of players at under 16 level under 18 and senior level that are that are achieving that are going to school they're doing all these things so they want to emulate their heroes mm. so i think we've much less of a gender gap than before and i think that's a really positive thing yeah now i, I walk in my local park uh, regularly and i see uh, the, both the boys teams and the girls teams uh, hard at it you know in gaa particularly uh, the, i see the the girls teams not so much with rugby i see occasionally the soccer teams in the local park um but my observation would be that on a non-organized day, when there's nothing happening in the park that is organized, you know, they're not using the proper playing fields, and you have four or five lads together, they're invariably kicking a ball. You're four or five girls together, you know, we're talking about teenagers, 14, 15, and they're invariably sitting on the benches chatting. Now, where does that come from? Is that something that's learned? Because I don't want to, you know, suggest that the the genders or the sexes are so uh, indelibly defined differently, but it's just an observation of behaviour. It is, and I suppose it's about what what is meaning for for the child and for the lads. If it is kicking about that ball, makes them feel fun, connected, their friends, great. For the girls sitting on the bench, they're chatting. We don't know what they're chatting about. They could be chatting about the game that they played yesterday. Who did well? No, no, no. The game they're having. We we don't know this fact. Look, we we can all find isolated incidents. I can walk down to my local GA club and I'll find six or seven girls kicking about or poking around with with a hurl too. So you know, we don't want to. I suppose reinforce this idea that they're different. Whatever they're doing, if they're hanging out together, if they're outside, you know, we're encouraging kids to get off their screens, get outside, sit around, chat, be in the fresh air, whatever they're doing, if they're getting out, they're active, they're being with their friends, then in many ways, that's good enough. Mm. Now, there are other reasons why teenage girls uh, opt out of sport. Often it's a lack of facilities. It's also the time in their lives when they begin to menstruate. Uh, It's also the time in their lives they become more body conscious and so on. Indeed, the lads are becoming very body conscious these days as well. So there are other reasons uh, than competitiveness that, that girls might opt out of sport. Absolutely. The kids are under pressure like never before. Um, they, they want to be the best at everything. They want to be good at sport. They want to be good academically. They want to believe that they look the right way. And I suppose what we're also trying to do is to instill this idea of good enough, that at any given moment you are good enough in whatever you're doing and you can still do better. We want to move away from a black and white system of it's either perfect or it's not good enough. And especially with young children, if we instill this idea that winning is what you have to have and losing isn't good enough, then we're setting them up really, I think, for failure later on. Now, are there people boys or girls who are just naturally more competitive than others you know you're climbing a tree and one fellow always wants to get to the highest branch he can Um, and others couldn't be bothered once they have a view of what they wanted to see uh, halfway up will do Absolutely, there are. And, and I see it just with the kids that I work with. And, and some are really, really competitive and others you know, are, are much more chilled out. But I think what we also have to remember is that children and, and young teenagers develop at really, really different levels. And you cannot predict at you know age 9, 10, 11, who is going to be an Irish soccer player, Irish rugby international. And we've so many examples of that. If we think at the weekend, we saw Hugo Keenan um, playing fullback and arguably one of the best fullbacks in the world. But at age 14, he was playing on the D team for BlackRock. So, you know, if you thought at that age, well, look, he's a D player. Well, where is he going to go? Because he's not competitive enough. But yet 
they develop at different rates and suddenly a couple of years later with, with maybe despite other predictions is, is playing at the, the most elite level so i think we have to work with children when they're ready and, and when they're ready to maybe be more competitive some might be really anxious i mean we've got to set the bar at a realistic level for some children just turning up on the field is good enough for them that is their achievement they might have maybe some neurodevelopmental difficulties and socializing with others causes them great anxiety but they're there and that's good enough so we set the bar at, at what's relevant for the child and we help to build in realistic achievable ways that's that's meaningful for them not for us when do you though as you say life will teach them enough about you know the winner takes it all or whatever and um, when do you begin to introduce things like you know risk and reward you take more risks you get more rewards rewards maybe or you may fail or work and reward you know the the 10,000 hours hitting a tennis ball or whatever will turn you into a Wimbledon winner that kind of uh, attitude I think you can start at a, at a relatively young age at maybe age 9, 10, 11, 12 but it's about risk that in, in a meaningful way so you know you're really really good on your right foot take a shot with your left and if you miss and that's at risk for you because you believe well look I missed what does that mean it means you tried and it means that that's a good that's something we can build on so we want to encourage children to not fear failure not to perceive something as, as having a go is good enough and that we can learn from that so it's about having conversations with children after a game what do you think went well what do you think we could work on what what was fun about it so we want them to reflect on it and be okay to to admit when they tried something and it didn't work out well but it's something we can try again maybe differently next time okay well uh, the point is that competition will come in at, at some point i mean even our leaving certain our junior certain all of that um it's not sport but it's certainly competitive Absolutely, it is. And, and it is that when children are, if we can keep children in sport, when they're doing the junior cert, doing the leaving cert, where's their outlet? Where can I still go and have some fun rather than where do I have to go and I have to achieve here as well? Because these are pressures that our children are under and we have to find outlets that gives them the sense of I don't always have to be perfect because life is nobody is despite what they may feel. And we've got to teach them that sometimes just having a bit of fun is good enough. Mark Smith, Chartered Clinical Psychologist, former president of the Psychological Society of Ireland. Uh, thank you very much. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9 a.m. on News Talk.